Are you glad to be in church today? All right, all right. What an awesome moment it is to be in the presence of the Lord today and to be with you at, at, uh, at Life City Church. Thank you. That's perfect. Thank you. Uh, you can sit down if you want to. I don't think there's more than one of us that should have to stand up all day today. All right, that was supposed to have laughed. Even if it was courtesy, that would have been great. Um, as, uh, as they've said, that uh, I'm Clayton McCormick. I'm one of the staff pastors at Elevate Life Church. Uh, Pastor Tim Stair is actually my brother-in-law, and uh, so you can figure out how I got that gig. Um, and that's all in who you know. It pays to be related to a pastor. Um, we've, uh, I serve over our pastoral care uh, team and pastor of, of uh, all of our people at our congregations and campuses across the city. And I want to tell you, it's an honor to be here at, at Life City Church. You have some amazing pastors. Yeah, come on, let's, let's give honor to them today, Pastor Shannon, Pastor Jessica. You're blessed with, uh, with amazing leadership, and, and our pastor, Pastor Tim, of course, speaks very highly of them. Uh, I met Pastor Shannon and Pastor Jessica about a year ago, uh, a little over a year ago. Uh, we were at one of our, our legacy uh, dinners that we have each year around the end of the year, around October, November, and, and uh, we were all sitting at the same table together and got to know them uh, then, and we've shared uh, different meetings together and, and eat together, and we've, we've preached at a few events together, spoke together, and uh, so you're, you're blessed with amazing leadership and uh, I can tell you this, just kind of a, uh, if you're not impressed with what you hear today, come back next week, he'll be here. <laughs> All right? And uh, don't let the 22 years fool you. And uh, there's no, no telling what's liable to happen today. So. Um, but I'm honored to be here. It's, it's uh, great to be uh, able to share with you today my heart. And, and uh, of course, I know I said I've been in, uh, doing this for about 22 years now. I know it looks like I started when I was four. Um, I really didn't. I was actually 16 years old when I started it, and uh, so you can do the math, figure out how young I really am, and uh, blessed with great family, blessed with great friends, and, and uh, some of my family, I think, even slipped in today. They're here, my parents and uh, my grandmother come in today, and uh, grandfather couldn't make it because he's teaching Sunday school this morning, and uh, so we have, we're ministry runs through our blood, and uh, we're grateful for that, and um, I've got, I've got a picture, a couple of pictures I want to show you just getting started. This is, this is my family, and uh, that is, of course, me, and that is my wife and my two boys. This was taken, I have to kind of lead this up, and uh, this was taken on February 25th of 2018. I didn't know that exactly two months later that my wife's life would be taken, and uh, she passed away in an auto accident, went to respond to a, uh, an accident near our home one Wednesday evening coming back from church, and, and another car come and hit her, struck her, and, and her life was taken in that moment. But I can, kind of leading into what I'll be preaching to you today, I've learned to trust God a lot through that season. And, and I don't share that for sympathy. I don't share that so you'll say amen louder. I don't share that. I just share that because this is part of my story. And what you'll hear today is part of that journey and part of that story. And uh, so she's, she was a registered nurse. She worked for Nemours Children's Clinic. She was involved in uh, 
uh, with cancer and oncology and for pediatrics, and so she was just uh, amazing, and it's hard to believe it's almost two years that, that, uh, that she's been in the presence of God, and, uh, but we miss her like crazy, and uh, the one that's sitting in her lap there, that is Grayson, and he looks just like her, and he acts like her, and he talks like her. I was, um, I was in my house the other day, and, and he come into my closet, and he was sitting on the floor in my closet, and he was looking up. And I have a shelf in my closet. It's about this tall, and it's lined with racks, and it has shoes on it. Well, he started counting my shoes. And he said, how many shoes do you have? And I said, I don't really know. And he said, well, how much money have you wasted on these shoes? <laughs> and he's five now. And I said, well, I'd, I'd, let's get out of my room, you know. You need to go. You're not welcome here. There's a no trespassing sign now on my bedroom door. And uh, so then he, he went on to, he's like, well, I've never seen you wear these. Or them. Or them. Or them. I was like, please leave. And uh, so, but what it was, it was the voice of his mother. He, I guess it just sounded, because it sounded just like something she would have said. Um, any purchase I would go to make, do you need that? That's a hard one to answer, isn't it? Do you really need another shirt? Do you really need another pair of shoes? And uh, so then he went to counting them, <clears throat> and I made him leave the room. And, uh, and then we talked about it on Facebook and got a bunch of laughs about it. Uh, but he's, he is just like his mother. Uh, Camden, the one in my lap, he's seven. And, uh, and he, is, he is spitting image of his daddy. He acts like his daddy. He has a temper like his daddy. And we sometimes don't see eye to eye because we're so much alike. And, uh, but I've got another picture I think he'll, we'll show to you as well. And uh, that was us. That was actually taken last Monday. Monday was a week ago. And uh, we went to Disney. And, and so that's, they've grown up a lot in the last almost two years. And uh, those, those are my, my heart. I love them with all of my heart. And uh, grateful that uh, the Lord's entrusted me with... Uh, with them and to uh, to raise them in the fear and the admonition of the Lord, it's a it's a high honor uh, to pastor to lead people. But that's the greatest honor right there is to pastor my family. And if they don't make it in, then I've failed in my job and my responsibility as a follower of Jesus Christ. And so my goal is for them to make it in and for me to make it to heaven and uh, to be reunited with all those that have gone on before us and. Um, but I love, I love those guys there, and uh, I wish they could be here with us. They're, they're spending some time with some family this weekend, and, and uh, so they, they weren't able to make it, but we're, hopefully next time we'll bring them, and uh, you can get to, get to meet them personally. They're, they're, they're high energy, so they're all boys. If you ever raise boys, know anything about boys, we'll just leave it at that. We won't say anything else about that. So I want to get into the Word today, and if you have your Bibles, let's turn together to Matthew chapter 14. And uh, uh, Matthew 14, verse, verse 22, is where I, I want to begin reading from. I'll give you just a, just a minute to turn there, to look it up on your, your phone. Old school, we would open our Bibles and we would say something like this. In my Bible, it is on page 1427. And, uh, and we can't quite do that anymore, can we? It's so quick just to punch a button 
But I've also found out that it's easier for me to flip in my Bible and open it to that than it is to try to find it on my phone sometimes. Say amen from all the older folks. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I knew you were here somewhere. <clears throat> so let's, let's jump into this. Matthew chapter 14, verse number 22. It says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was all alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. Those are powerful words, aren't they? And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, called him, and he said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when did they go into the boat? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. And I want to talk to you this morning on the thought of distractions of trust. Distractions of trust. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you today for this awesome responsibility that you placed before me to share with God's people. Uh, I, I don't take this, this moment lightly, and I pray, God, that you will speak to our hearts today. Lord, that you will give us hearing ears and believing hearts, uh, that you will take your words and they will settle in our spirits. Encourage us, help us today as we dive into your word. In Jesus' name, and everyone shouts amen. Amen. Now, I'm going I'm to tell you this right off the front. I, I was brought up in a Pentecostal church. Okay, Woo. watch out, I'll dance. And uh, so for those of you who don't know what that is, be careful. We've got the snakes behind the screen there. I'm just kidding with you. Absolutely kidding with you. Um, we won't go that far into it. I didn't come up that crazy. Um, so I'll, I'll tell you just off the beginning, if you'll say amen every once in a while, I'll preach a little bit shorter, I promise you. And uh, if you don't, we're going to be here for a while, all right? So when, when I... I've shared the pictures of some of our story, and, and we've read the text, and we've, we talk about trust. Um, trust is defined as the assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something. And it also means to place confidence in. So God calls us as his people to live a life of trust and to, to follow him and to place our dependence in him and, and to follow him and no matter what comes our way that we should be at the place to where we can trust God with anything. Um, I can tell you just in, in my life, I've been, I was brought up in, in the church, raised in church, cut my teeth in church. I was in church nine months before I was born. Church, that's the way I was. And, and, you know, grew up in, the, in an atmosphere of faith and believing and rejoicing and worship and praise and, and, and hearing the word. But I don't think anything ever really, really prepares you when life happens and when obstacles come your way and the challenges that come in life. It doesn't matter how many 
scriptures on faith you've read. It doesn't how many, uh, how many sermons you've heard about it. It doesn't matter. Even dealing with trust and, and faith and dependence on God. Uh, how many times you've heard and how many times you've read that there's always the challenge to actually follow those verses out in your everyday life. And, and God's calling us, if we're going to serve Him, if we're going to live for Him, He wants us to live a life of trust and dependence upon Him. And, and to follow him with everything that's within us. And, and as we read our text, these, these verses, I love this story. I have, I have preached this for a long time. I was, I was just looking, uh, last night as a matter of fact, I was looking back and, and uh, my, my anniversary of preaching uh, is coming up. March 11th of 1998, I preached my first message. I was 16 years old, just a few days away from turning 17 years old. And, and these, this was one of the first, I didn't preach this message then, but one of the first messages within a few, few years or so of my ministry, I preached from this text. And so I've, I've preached it, I've, I've, I've read about it, and I've studied about it, I've shouted about it, I've been excited about it, uh, because this is something that, that an ordinary man did in his life and in his journey that nobody else did. He walked on the water. But in, in that moment, it was up to Peter to, to trust God and to walk on the water. Had he not been willing to trust God, he would have never walked on the water. So as we read this, we, we see that the entirety of the chapter, 14th chapter of, uh, of Matthew is all about trust. Um, matter of fact, the text begins with the beheading of John the Baptist and, and it caused high emotions and fear among all of the people and, and uh, all the followers of Jesus. And after, after hearing the news about that, Jesus gets in the boat and he... He finds a place by himself and he hears all the multitudes coming around him and, and following him. So he stops and he starts to minister to him. See, even in the brokenness of the place that Jesus found him, he found himself still ministering to his people. He still found himself uh, preaching and healing and, and, and meeting their needs. The Bible tells us that he healed people and he, he encouraged them. And as it gets late, uh, he encourages his disciples to to, to feed everyone because it's getting late in the evening and dark is coming. And, and, and then, of course, how are they going to feed them? They've got all of these people that are coming around. And how are we going to feed all these people? And he, we, their, their trust is trust issues that they're dealing with. And we've, you see all the people, you're trying to get out of this. And now we've got all these people to feed. And how many knows that this is the great story of the, uh, of the, the, two, the, the two fish and five loaves, right? And so as, as they find these, these small basket of, of food that this little boy, this young man had that he brought with him, um, they're, they're still trying to figure this out. But where is their trust? Evidently, they don't realize that the person who is able to, to, to multiply and to bless is there in their presence. Now, for you and I today, he, he is not physically here in our presence, but we sure sense his presence. As we were singing a moment ago, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending. No, we, we begin to worship. There's, no there's nothing that will come against us that, that the love of God cannot help us. And so, so we understand that His presence lives within us, and he, he is among us, and He's here in this place. The Bible tells us that where two or three are gathered together in His name, that He is in our midst, right? 
So his presence is here with us. And, 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 but yet we still struggle with the sense of trusting God and having faith in God. It's a challenge at times. But, but, but the Bible records that, that in this moment, as they, they get to feed the 5,000 plus, the Bible also tells us that there were women there, all of these men who had wives. All of their wives, other women were there. Their children were there. Right? So we have, we have over, over 5,000 people that, that need to be fed, but yet Jesus steps in and he gives them the instructions to take. He blessed the bread. He broke it. They, it multiplied on the, in the moment. And when they went, everybody got something to eat. I tend to think that they had enough to where they were full and they were satisfied. I don't think it was just, well, let me just peel just a little bit off just to have a taste. No, I think they had a full, I think when they left there, they left with, with swollen bellies, you know? I, I think they left there with just, you ever eat so much that you just couldn't eat anymore, but you wanted to eat more, so you went and ate more? And then when you got finished eating more, you said, well, I think I'm going to eat just that little piece of pie that's in the corner. How many know what Thanksgiving, hallelujah, you know? I think I'm going to eat just, just, oh, that somebody left that little piece of chicken there. I got, I'm, it can't go in the trash. But I'm so full. But I'm going to eat it anyway. You know, that might be why I'm in pounds. You know, <laughs> you fill in the blank there. If you fill in the blank, I'll choke you. <clears throat> I might be saved, but I can lose it. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. The, so their, their level of trust was to reach out and to follow Jesus, but they didn't know really what was going to happen. But all of them left filled, and then the, the, the amazing fact is that there were 12 baskets left over after that. That's when trust is activated, and God begins to move in the midst of his people. So when we get to verse 22, <clears throat> we, um, Jesus sends his disciples away, puts them in a boat, and he goes to the mountainside to pray. And then later that night, the, the boat was a good distance from land. And the waves begin to come. The winds begin to blow. And, and the disciples are, are in a mess. They're, they're in a storm. And, and they're facing something in, in, in this, this moment in their journey that they don't know how they're, how they're going to get there. They're dealing with, with John the Baptist. They're dealing with what they've just witnessed. They've witnessed a miracle. They've witnessed multiple miracles, as a matter of fact, because Jesus had healed people, he touched people, he'd been moving in the lives of people, <clears throat> lives were transformed. And so then, uh, you know, they're still, they're still shaky, they're still on the edge, and now all of a sudden a storm comes. Jesus has left us alone. <clears throat> He's gone to the mountaintop, uh, mountainside to pray. He's put us in a boat by ourselves. He won't even get on the boat. He knew what was going to happen. Puts them in the boat, sends them across the other side. And then verse 26, let's, let's look at this verse here. It says, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. See, Jesus won't, won't, uh, won't put you in a mess that he won't show up in himself. He won't, he won't place you in a season in your life and part of your journey and part of your story that he's not willing to first show up in. Ooh, I'm about to preach right there. Hallelujah. He, he, wants, he, he wants to show up, and he, he wants you to allow him to show up. He wants you to trust him enough that he will show up. Now, now I know I'm talking about trust, and, and all, but I, now I'm, I'm going I'm to go on the flip side of this. 
I, I know trust is good. Trust is a great thing. But I want to talk about the distractions of trust. Or I told you the distractions, things that will, will hinder our trust in God. They cried out, it's a ghost, and they cried out for fear because of that. So that's the first thing. First distraction of trust is that of fear. The most, the most dangerous distraction you can have is fear. Can I just tell you this, that fear does not come from God? What does his word say? 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given to us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. Sound discipline, he, or self-discipline. He's, he's, he's given us power. So when facing obstacles in life, and the leadership, uh, uh, the enemy knows how to turn fear into defeat. Anybody face that before? But it is God's desire that we turn fear into faith to help us in our journey. So these three powerful tools that, that are outlined in 2 Timothy are power, love, self-discipline, or the King James talks about a sound mind. These the ways that we carry ourselves in, in things that come our way. So here, here's the thing I'm convinced of. A lot of the problems that we deal with, we make them bigger than they really are. Now, I'm going to tell you, there are some things that we deal with that are massive. They, we don't know how we're going to deal with them. We don't know what we're going to do. But we still learn to trust God in them. But there's a lot of those things we get in our mind that are, that are worth. You ever seen anybody just make a big to-do over a stub toe? You ever stubbed your toe? <laughs> It'll be, it, what's in you will come out of you in that moment. I'm, I'm convinced. If the Holy Ghost is there, Holy Ghost is going to come out. If it ain't there, watch out. You might want to plug the ears of the babies, you know. So, you know, it, it, it's, we, we make things worse than that. Now, I won't say a stub toe might not be too bad. It might not be real good either. But when we, we deal with something, we blow them out of proportion. We make them larger than what they really are. So the disciples here are in a situation. They see a spirit that's walking toward them, this figure. They assume that it must be a ghost. Is that not like us? That we, we take our, make our fears greater than what they really are? Remember, fear is not something that comes from God. So how do we handle those fears? How did Peter overcome his fear? That, this is really the, the focal point of, of the text. Uh, verse 28 says, Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. He overcame his fear. See, I'm not going to just talk about the distraction. I'm going to tell you how to overcome it too. I, I want you to walk in victory. When you leave this place today, I want you to walk in victory and faith knowing that, that when fear comes my way, there is a way to overcome this fear, and it is simply by recognizing the voice of Jesus. How, how do you recognize His voice? It's through spending time in His Word. It's through spending time in prayer. It's, it's through coming to church. It's through getting in, in, in city groups and hanging out with and building connections and relationships with your, with your, your church family. It's, it's being confident and knowing his voice that you are, are, are recognizing that he is the one that's calling you. He is the one that has brought you to the place in your life that you're in. And he is the one that's going to bring you through it. I'm grateful that I serve a God that, that specializes in, in miracles and healings and signs and wonders. And, and, and he specializes in the things that I think are impossible. He steps in and turns those impossibilities into possibilities. 
because that's how he specializes. We, we, um, we must become so familiar with Jesus and his voice that when, when false promises or false saviors show up, uh, that we spot them for who they are. How I many knows we live in a real, a real world? And there's a whole lot of people that's offering real stuff, they think. They, they want to offer all kinds of things to, to try to change the world and change the nation and change this and change that. I, I, I remember the, the hymnologist that said, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. My hope's built in him. And so we, we, must, we must spot them, recognize that this is, <clears throat> this is false hope. This is a false savior. This is false. This is not the, the true Jesus. Uh, we must know him in the deepest, most personal way. And it's only through a personal relationship with him that we've surrendered our life to him. And we, we grow in Christ to know him deeper. We pray and we, we seek him. And the disciples in this moment... They mistake Jesus for a ghost when he shows up. But it is only Peter that, that, is, that begins to have some clarity as to who this is as he's walking on the water. And, um, and he, but of course, he's in that moment. He ain't getting out of the boat right now. I think that's him. There are times that um, God begins to speak to us just as he did Peter when he, he calls him. Matter of fact, Peter said, Lord, if that's you, he said, I, I see the, the, what they're all seeing, but Lord, I, if that is you, bid me come to you on the water. And I love this to where Jesus says, come. And in that moment, Peter recognized the voice of Jesus. Why? Because he spent time with him. He had been in his presence before. And, and so he was, he was certain in this moment that, that this, is, uh, this is him. Isn't it great to know that there will be times that God will call us out of the very place that was given to us to provide comfort to us? The place that was given to provide safety and security. And he will call us into a place of the unknown so that we can learn how to trust God. For 10 years, I pastored a church in Pensacola, Florida, and, and my wife and I pastored there together, and, and we, were, we were doing great. Church was doing good, and, and things were moving. We didn't have a large church by no means, and, uh, but we, we were enjoying the journey. And, and then all of a sudden, before the, the ten, just a few months before our 10-year anniversary there, life happens. Death happens, and, and, and in that moment, I was, I was ready to, to stay and to pastor my people, and, and I had counsel, godly counsel of people saying, you need, to, you need to go, you need to be with your family, this church will take care of itself, and, and God began to speak to me and deal with my heart, and, and ultimately we moved back home, we're from this area, and we moved back home, and Pastor Tim, my brother-in-law, it's Dana's brother, and he, he said, we've got a place for you. We, we want you to come. We, just let us love on you, and, and, and let, let's just see you whole. We, you don't have to do anything. Just come. That's not a bad gig there. We'll pay you to do nothing. I like that. Anybody else like that? Well, let me tell you something. About three months later, that ended, because now I do all kinds of stuff that I didn't ask for. Don't y'all tell him I said that. I'll tell him myself. 
but it's good. It gives me something to do now because those three or four months was boring, not doing anything. But it was good to, to learn. But see, in that I was comfortable being 320 miles away from family. I'd become comfortable with what I was doing. And, and then all of a sudden, God pulls me out of comfort of pastoring a church for 10 years that I'd given everything I had. And now he's, he's brought me from a very traditional church. I preached every Sunday morning. I should have brought those pictures. <laughs> I, I preached every Sunday morning in a suit and tie, French cuff shirts, and shiny shoes. And I, the very things that I said that I would not do, I'm not going to Elevate Life Church. I don't care how great of a church it is. I'm not going there. I'm not wearing skinny jeans. I didn't realize they made them in my size. Hallelujah. We were at art conference last year and, and saw some friends of ours that were from Pensacola that were there. And, and the girl, they had just started attending an art church, and she said, there's one thing I've noticed being here. She said, is everybody wears denim jackets? I said, I know, isn't it crazy? I didn't have on one then, but it wasn't. But about eight months later, I started wearing denim jackets. So all the stuff that I said that I wouldn't do, all of the things that I was not comfortable doing, They've, they've shifted and changed. Now, those are, those are things in the natural, but there's a lot of things that have shifted in the spirit too. There, that when God calls us out of something that we're comfortable in, See, I was comfortable with my, my three-piece suit and my tie and my, my big knot and my shiny shoes and, and my French cuff shirts. I was not comfortable in this. I remember the first message I preached in a pair of tennis shoes. I didn't like it. But I did it anyway. And it's not about conforming to try to please people. It's adapting, of course, to the culture that you're in and try. But I, I'm still myself. I'm still going to preach like I am. You might even see me kick up my leg in me if I can get it up in these skinny jeans. Don't let the skinny jeans fool you. Don't let the denim fool you. See, God brings us out of a place that we're comfortable in. The place that was that was there for safety and security, but then, and he placed us there. He placed them in the boat, but then he pulls us out of that place. And he says, this is where I want to guide you to. This is where I want to take you. And then it's in that place of the unknown that we must learn to trust God. Man, I've got to hurry. I've got to hurry. So if God calls you to leave the place of comfort, safety, and security, you can rest assured that he has a plan for your life. He has something greater on the other side for you and that he will never leave you in that process and he will never forsake you in that process. That's, those are awesome promises. I don't know about you, but those are awesome for me. So, so this morning, I want you to hear the call today as, as he's calling Life City Church, as he's calling you as an individual, he's calling you to leave something that's familiar to you, to go into something that's unfamiliar, to leave the known for the unknown, to leave the comfortable for the uncomfortable. And then verse 30 gives us the, the next distraction. So hear that call, but then notice there's another distraction that's right on, its, right on its heels. Verse 30 says, When he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. So he got out of the boat, he walked on the water, but then he got his eyes on what was around him. He was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out. I'm going to stop right there. There's more to that verse, but I'm going to stop there. So here's the second distraction to fear or, or to, um, 
to trust, and that is circumstances. Once we lose focus and we get distracted by the circumstances surrounding us, it is easy to try to go right back to the place that we knew that we were comfortable with everything else that was going on. When he pulls us out, it's easy. I just want to go back in my little corner. I want to go back into my, my little place my, where I was at. I want to go back. Uh, you know, I, was, I went just a few weeks ago, was asked to come back to, uh, to the church I pastored and to, uh, to do a, a funeral service for a member of our church there. And, and I went back, and I would went back a few months before that and preached there. First time I'd been back in, in over a year. And, and, and when I got there, I was like, I love hearing what God's doing here. Oh, I want to come back. But that's, it was, I was like, I'm comfortable here. This is, uh, this is my home. This is, I felt when I walked into, it was a funeral service of all things, but when I walked on the, in the platform, on the pulpit, and, and, and uh, I sat on the stage where I used to always sit at, and, and I was like, this, this, is, this is mine, but it really isn't anymore, you know? And I conducted the service and went through, I was like, oh, man, I want to move back. But then in the back of my mind, I keep hearing the Lord say, that's not what I've called you to. You, you were not able to, you, I, I've called you away to, to do something different and to walk into a new season. And, 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 but the, the circumstances surrounding it were different and everything about it was different. And, and God placed somebody there that's able to move the, forward, for, the church forward even greater than I was. So to go back, and I was like, you know, it's growing now. I want to go back there. So to, to leave what was comfortable, what was great, it was a place that they knew everything was all right. God calls us out of those places of comfort and then begins to, to bring circumstances that, that surround those the, the being comfortable. And Peter, in that moment, he lost sight of who was in front of him. Peter lost sight and got his eyes on the circumstances around him. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you, almost two years into a, a, a journey with grief and loss of a spouse, uh, I can tell you that journey hasn't been real fun. It's not been real easy either. And to be honest with you, I probably shouldn't be even able, even almost two years into it, shouldn't be standing up here preaching today. But I can tell you this, the Bible tells us that the grace of the Lord is sufficient. That his strength is made perfect in weakness. And so like Paul, when he was quoting that, he said, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Ooh, hallelujah. So I, you know, I want to walk this journey out the best way I can. And, and, and it's been easy to focus on the circumstances. I remember the first of last year getting more on the circumstances and the, the seat. things aren't going like I want them to. I, I like people to ask me. I like to preach. I'm a preacher. And so when, when you go through a, a few months and you're not preaching and you're like, I'm going to forget how to preach. Lord, never let me forget how. And... And you, it's like, all right, God, have you just forgotten me? Have you just put me here to, to deal with all this, you know, call people on the phone and pray for them? Is that all I'm supposed to do? I am a preacher. So I got focused too much on the circumstances. I lost sight of who was calling me and who had called me out of the boat and, had, and, he, and, and even had focused and given and sent those things my way. He knew what was going to happen. Nothing caught him by surprise. But, he, but Peter, and I, my, that's my prayer, is I never lose sight of who God is. 
Can I encourage you in that today? Never lose sight of who God is. Never lose sight of who he is. Because I can tell you this, he will reveal himself and he will move powerfully. He will make a way out of nowhere. He will do exactly what only he can do. And nobody else can do. He will help you and he will lead you. So you can't allow the circumstances around you to hinder you from trusting in God. And I, You know, it's, it's easy to focus on the things around you. It's easy to focus on, on the changes and the transitions. It's easy to focus on, on, on what you used to have and what you don't have now and, and, and the people that you used to have and the people you don't have. It's easy to focus on the circumstances, but God is calling us to focus on Him. And when we focus on Him, all of the circumstances that, were, that the enemy meant to destroy us, He changes them around for our good. And He's working a... a He's working in us and through us and for us. But notice how he overcame these circumstances. The last part of verse, verse 30 and verse 30 uh, says, Peter cried out, Lord, save me. He knew who to call on, didn't he? And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and he called him and he said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I think the Lord says that to us a lot. Why did you doubt? Why are you worried? What are you? I'm here. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. See, once Peter was safe, the wind stopped. Once he turned back to Jesus, the circumstance went away. And it was a testimony to those that were around him. We, we've got to realize that, that everything that you and I face is building a testimony that you can share with somebody else. You don't know, your, your story may not be my story. My story is not your story. But we all have a story. And we all have something that God has done for us that, that is worthy of sharing to somebody else. One of the things we focus a lot, I've been noticing the last year or so, a little over a year at our church, is that one of the first questions they'll ask a lot of our people, whether we know them or not, we'll walk into them, tell me your story. What got you here? What, what is, what, what is, what's brought you to this point in this season in your life? What is, what is your story? Tell me your story. I can tell you there's some stories I didn't really want to hear. There's some stories I was glad I heard. There were some stories that rip your heart out. There's stories of, of defeat. There's stories of victory. There's stories of hurt. There's stories of, of, of dark past. I mean, there's, there's some of you like, ah, I didn't want to hear that today. But you heard their story. And it's what brought them to that place. And that Peter's testimony was to all of those in the boat. And all that they declared then that he, that Jesus was the Son of God. It was a testimony of the sustaining power of Jesus. I stand before you today as a testimony, a living testimony to you that there is life-giving power in Jesus Christ. That there is hope in serving Him. That, that it, does, I, it doesn't matter what comes your way. Because I, I, I'm going to tell you, I, I've preached all these years. I was, I, 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 we credit 22 years, but I, I was, I, we have video when I was three preaching. So I don't think that necessarily counts, but it counts for something. So I've been doing this a whole lot longer than 22 years. And 
I didn't really know what I was saying, but I was preaching, though. I can tell you that. Had my fake little microphone. I'd kick my leg up and had my bow tie clipped on my white T-shirt, and I could preach. All of the, all of the ministry, all of the stuff, all, of the, all that you go through, all stuff that I've learned growing up in church, it gets you to the place to where when the fire comes, are you going to trust him or not? Can you stand up here in the front of a group of people today and say, yes, there's hope in Jesus? Yes, I can tell you there is hope in Jesus. I know for a fact there is hope in Jesus today. And so when it's all said and done, when the dust settles, that people can say, truly, he is the son of God. The same God that helped Clayton get through this is the same God that can help me get through this. I just had the opportunity just a few weeks ago to, to, to walk through the journey with a man in our church that lost his wife. She was 52 years old. She was diagnosed with cancer back, back the end of first middle of last year, and, and she was cancer-free, but then two months later or less, it came back. And when it came back, it came back in full force. And it's, it was, I'm going to be honest with you, in, in almost two years, I had not preached a funeral or done one. I had no desire to do one. It was an easy out. No, I can't do this. I'm not going I No, I can't. But I knew when I began dealing with this family again, and I knew that the, the end was coming. I was like, this is, this, is, this is an opportunity that God's going to shine through this. And you, you take, you take this, this moment and you... That it's not to tell everything that, you know, oh, it's all about me. No, none of of my story is about me. It's all about Jesus. And you get the opportunity to share that, that even in the circumstances of life that I can stand here and I can testify that God is good. But here's, here's, I want to take though and, and talk about people for just a minute. Because if we're not careful, people can become a distraction too. People can distract you from trusting in God and, and uh, don't, here, here's the quick thing I see about this text. There were other disciples in that boat, right? There were other people in that boat with Peter. Peter was the only one that was willing to get out of the boat. So what about all the other people that were in the boat? What were they doing? They weren't willing to get out of the boat. Now, I know they, they all testified that truly he is the Son of God and truly he's, he's moving. Truly Jesus is the Son. Yes, they were all testified, but why didn't they get out of the boat? Sometimes we have to be aware of the people that are around us. I don't know what all they said when uh, in the beginning. They, they testified, of course, that he was the Son of God. But what were they thinking in the process as to while Peter was on the water and he was walking on the water? What were their thoughts? Sometimes people will hinder you from walking on the water. Sometimes people will, um, will try to uh, get, into a, get into a place that even will distract you from stepping out. What, what if they would have, they, they were all thinking the same way. It's a spirit, it's a ghost. That, you know, what, are, what are we going to do? Peter recognized that this, this is not just some spirit or some ghost. This is the Son of God. All of them, I'm convinced, had they wanted to, they all could have got out and they all could have walked on the water that day. They all could have been uh, listed in the scriptures here that they all walked on water. 
But Peter did, as I said earlier, that he did what no other person did. He walked on the water. He started sinking, but he, he walked on water. He was, he was willing to not allow the circumstances, the people, or the fear around him to stop him from stepping out and to accomplishing what God's called us to do. Here's the thing I see about people. People are boat dwellers. And when God's called you to greatness and God's called you to do powerful things and God's calling you to a life of service and, and, and surrender to Him, then, then you must be willing to step out of the places that you're comfortable in and go into places that you're uncomfortable in. And allow God to, to speak to you and through you and, and not, not so much worry about the boat dwellers that will stop you and, and let, him, let Him call you. I can't answer for everybody else, but I'm, He's calling me to get out of this boat. And he's calling me to walk on the water. What that requires is your trust in God. It requires that you follow him. Once Peter and Jesus were back in the boat, that they, of course, their testimony was he's the son of God. Their testimony changed. Their, their witness changed. So that, that's my prayer for you today, is that our life will be one of trust, a life of faith, one that people around us, that, that they, they may talk trash about you to start with, Anybody ever talked trash about you before? Mm, that's a hard one to say amen to and to nod your head. Somebody said stuff that was hurtful or, or whatever the nature of it was, but, but eventually they'll see that the process of fire that you've gone through, that it was working a testimony in your life to get you to a place that God could trust, to trust you with. And, and he, it, I want, can God trust us? And God, does God see something in us that he can use us? I think he does. I think he sees that in all of us. And so may your life of faith and your trust in God be a testimony to those around you that when, while you're going through this fire, while you're going through the circumstances, that they can say, Jesus is the Son of God. How do you get through this? It's all Jesus. I, I can't tell you that it's, I can't tell you it's grief counseling because I hadn't been through grief counseling. I preached my wife's funeral service, and she had two of them. I preached both of them. How? I have no idea other than the grace and the help of Jesus Christ. That's all I can tell you. But I can tell you this, that that, that is my hope, that not just to boast that, hey, I did, I preached my, that's not something you want to boast about. But to boast in the fact that God gave me strength to do it. And to stand just a few weekends ago and, to, and that, the funeral that I told you about, the service that, that to do for that, that lady and, and just at our church, that I did her funeral. And th three days, four days before that, I did one before that at my church in Pensacola. That's strength. That's grace. And the people to testify that, that that's, that's not Clayton. That's, that's not counseling. That's, that's the grace and the strength of Almighty God. My, my Let's stand together. If y'all stand up, I'll quit. Some of y'all say, if we'd known that, we'd have stood up a long time ago. <laughs> here's, here's my challenge to you. Is be willing to step out of your comfort zone. Don't allow the distractions of your faith and distractions of your trust in God. Don't allow them to hinder your walk with Him. There's going to be a lot of distractions that come your way. There's going to be more than fear. There's going to be more than circumstances. There's going to be more than people. But don't let any of those things hinder you in your walk with God. Our life is built on Christ and in Him alone. 
and, not, uh, and it's not just anything else. It's built on faith and trust that knowing that when the storms rage and lightning flashes, that Jesus will still be there. People may leave you. Things may change, but Jesus will always be there. And I want to encourage you that when you come into these, the, a season in your life that, that is unknown, it's a challenging season, to know that the grace of God is there. And in that, everybody, the, the, the thing that sticks out to me in, in the last verse of our text that I read is that they begin to worship. People are going to worship God because of what you're going through, what you've gone through in your testimony. That They'll see this is the Son of God. How can we not but worship somebody who's brought somebody else through that is a testimony of the overwhelming presence of God? I'm grateful for what God is doing. Don't allow the distraction to stop you and to hinder you. Life City Church, I encourage you, keep pressing forward. Keep moving on and let God work a powerful work in your life. I want us to pray, and then we're going to worship just a moment together. Father, I love you today. I'm grateful, Lord, again, for the privilege to share with with this awesome group of people today. Thank you, Lord, that, that I've had just an opportunity to speak into their life and in their season and in their journey. I pray, God, today that that what I've said, that you will take these words that, that are not, that, that were, were my words, but they were, that you will make them your words. And that they will speak to hearts and that they will challenge each person in this room today. To know that, Lord, you are, you are full of life, you are full of victory. Lord, even though distractions may come our way, that we trust in you today. To know that you are a way maker. You're a miracle worker. You are the light in the darkness. God, that's who you are. I thank you, Lord, for giving us the faith to conquer every distraction of our trust in you. And that, Lord, no matter what journey every person in this room may find themselves in, the Lord, you will give grace and that you will give strength and that you will guide them And that your peace will be theirs and it will be evident. I thank you for it all. We give your name all the praise, the glory, and the honor in Jesus' name. And everyone says amen.